0: The man said to his gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? And he replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year, till I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, We ask you, as we do week by week, to join us here in this place, and we know that you have kept your promise and that you are here with us. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So before I get started today, I need to give a little credit where credit is due. I relied heavily on the work of two eminent theological scholars in preparing uh, what I have to say to you this morning. Uh, The first is a man named Chad Bird, who I've referenced before. He's a truck driver in Texas who happens to also be a brilliant Old Testament scholar with two master's degrees. He uh, posted a live video on Facebook, one that I commend to you all, that dealt with this morning's reading and that I found uh, very helpful. So some of the ideas that you'll hear came from him. Uh, the other scholar is uh, Hazel Lannon, a fifth grader who may or may not live in my house, and who told me the other day that when she pictures God, she thinks of a giant smiley face in the sky. And my plan this morning is to use their combined wisdom and expertise to make sense out of a really tough reading about Murdered Galileans and people crushed by a tower of Siloam and a fig tree that refuses to bear fruit. Now, the reason that this morning's reading is so tough is that it is so seemingly unapologetically about judgment. Normally, we like to talk about judgment a little bit. And we sort of throw it a bone. We talk about mercy a lot. We like to talk about sin a little bit and forgiveness a lot. We talk about the law a little bit. Talk about the gospel a lot. But that's not, at least seemingly, what Jesus wants to do with these sort of almost tabloid headlines that have happened in his life. Jesus, did you hear the people come running up to him? There were some Galileans going up to the temple to make their sacrifices, you know, to offer an animal to God in exchange for their sin. And Pilate had them killed. And not only that, but he sort of made fun of the whole thing by mingling their blood with the blood of their sacrifice. What do you have to say about that? Now, I imagine that the people who brought this news to Jesus were expecting one of two things, either some word of compassion or, on the other hand, sort of an impassioned anti-pilot speech. Uh, but they don't get either one of those things. What is it that Jesus says? He says this incredibly um, affronting thing. He says, do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Then he refers to something else that's been in the news recently. He says, Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were worse sinners than all the others living in Jerusalem? No. I tell you, unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. And it's in this. Context, the context of these two awful stories and Jesus' call for people to repent, that he tells this parable about a fig tree that isn't bearing any figs. It's a short, simple story. A landowner has a tree and he's gone back to the tree for three years to find fruit and has found none. And he's finally had enough. He tells his gardener to tear this waste of space. Out of the ground and now we're going to dip into Chad's expertise his wisdom and talk for a second just a second about the significance of figs because it's no accident that Jesus makes this story about a fig tree figs symbolized in the Old Testament the need for repentance this theme that Jesus is talking about here with these two stories sort of ripped from the news this murder of Galilean worshippers And the tower victims, he talks immediately about repentance and figs are a symbol of this idea. For instance, right after Adam and Eve eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they use the leaves of a fig tree in Genesis 3, 7 to try to cover their sin and shame. It's their sort of first misplaced attempt at some kind of repentance to cover their sin. In addition to repentance, figs are also commonly associated with fruitfulness. An Israelite sitting under his fig trees was sort of a stock Old Testament image for fruitfulness. Prophets returned to this image again and again as they called on God's people to bear the fruit that they had been called to bear. So this particular fruit, this fig is associated closely with both repentance and with fruitfulness. These two themes that Jesus is talking about with these news stories and with the parable that he's telling. And these themes would have been pregnant in his listeners' minds as he began to tell a story about a fig tree in a garden. And this tree wasn't doing what a fig tree should naturally do. It wasn't bearing any figs. And this tree is therefore ripe for judgment. Three years with no fruit. Now that, by the way, is after three years that were supposed to be fallow years. The first three years of a tree, the the book of Leviticus tells us that farmers weren't supposed to even go look for fruit for three years. And then on the fourth year, they were supposed to give all the fruit to God. So it's only in the fifth year that the farmer would even go to the tree expecting to find fruit. So this is three years later. So this tree has had plenty of time to bear fruit. And there is none. So it makes sense that for this tree, it's judgment time. Jesus is continuing this theme, right? Deserved judgment and the need for repentance from those first two stories. Now, remember, the really hard thing about this is that Jesus' reaction to these recent news stories is not that These victims were less sinful than you and simply the victims of unfortunate accidents? No. He's saying that you are just as sinful as them and therefore just as worthy of something like this happening to you and therefore you had better repent. Apparently, everyone deserves to have their blood mixed with their Sacrifices. Everyone deserves to have a tower fall on them. Everyone is an unfruitful tree. Everyone deserves to be cut down. Repent, he says, lest ye likewise perish. In Isaiah chapter 5, God plants a vineyard and he does everything. That needs to be done to prime this vineyard to be fruitful. We read that he finds a very fertile hill, he digs it out, clears it of stones, plants it with choice vines, builds a wine press and a watchtower along with a hedge around the whole thing to protect it. But when God goes back to this meticulously prepared vineyard to find fruit, he only finds what Isaiah calls stink fruit. So what does God do? Well, listen to Isaiah chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain. Upon it. Now look, I don't like this any more than you do. <laughs> this kind of judgment from the Lord on unfruitfulness is very unpleasant. And it's scary. Jesus talking about murdered worshipers and people killed in a tragic accident as sinners and telling us to repent lest we perish in the same way is unpleasant. It's scary. It's a word of judgment. And that's what these stories and parables are about. A God who mercilessly judges unfruitfulness. Now, one of the the main ways that I prepare for a sermon is to read the texts early in the week and then just sort of live with them. Throughout the week. And as you might imagine, living with this text this week got me a little down, a little depressed. So when our other theologian spoke into my life, it was a little jarring. We were talking at breakfast late in the week about whether or not God was a person. And Hazel said that when she thinks of God, she thinks of a big smiley face in the sky. But how is that possible? I mean, it's sweet, and you can see how a 10-year-old would think that way, but I, I find myself a little too aware of my inner fig tree, my inner unfruitfulness. How can a tree like me, one who isn't bearing the kind of fruit I ought to be, how can I expect to see a big smiley face from God? Aren't we more likely to see the destructive face that we read about in Isaiah chapter 5? A vineyard devoured, trampled down, made waste. Well, except for one thing. In the story Jesus tells, there's a new ending. The vineyard isn't destroyed. The tower doesn't fall. The worshipers aren't killed. There is mercy. There is an intercession. There is a big smiley face in the sky. The gardener replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. And really, honestly, with this gardener, with this narrative equivalent of the intercession of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we might as well stop the sentence, a clause earlier. Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good, period. This is the good news that Jesus Christ puts himself between the angry landowner and the unfruitful tree. And the news is better than let's give this tree another year. Let's give this tree another chance. The gardener, the intercessor, our savior says, let me go to work. And with this intervention, with his intervention with the work of Jesus Christ, fruit is inevitable. Listen to Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, which I know I come back to a lot, but the reason I keep coming back to it is it's such good news for fruitless fig trees. And it's why we can deign to take the last clause off of Jesus's parable. This is God speaking as the gardener interceding for us in the face of the angry landowner. Here's what he says, Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. And it will. The fruitless fig tree has two words pronounced over it. It does have judgment pronounced against it. It is not fruitful. It is not living up to what it has been created to be. A fig tree is designed by God to bear figs. The landowner doesn't love it just the way it is. He cares too much for that. Everything is not okay in the garden. But there is repentance. We repent. We confess we'll do it in a moment almighty God father of our Lord Jesus Christ maker and judge of us all we acknowledge and repent of our many sins and offenses which we have committed by thought word and deed against thy divine majesty provoking most justly your righteous anger against us we are deeply sorry For these transgressions, the burden of them is more than we can bear. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father, for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake. And then he does. There is a second word pronounced over this fruitless tree. And this is a word of mercy. This is a word spoken by an intercessor, by a Savior. Jesus stands for us in front of the holiness of God and says, I'm going to work and I will accomplish what I set out to do. And he is today for you. Amen.